Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for a Turn, number 741. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, email me at rabbiismach at take10fortorah.org. So this week's Parsha is Parsha Shemini, and a lot of Parsha Shemini deals with the laws of Kashrut. So I figured let's talk a little bit about the laws of kosher. And we're going to do it in a way where we, we sort of uh, look at the spectrum of what's involved when it comes to kosher, and then what I plan on doing over the course of a bunch of different tens, not necessarily uh, one after the other, but over the course of a bunch of tens dealing with each of these issues individually. So again, what does kosher mean? Kosher means something which is properly prepared. Hechsher mitzvah means the preparation of a mitzvah. Kasher means the preparation for something. So what does it mean to prepare food properly to be eaten by a Jew? And in a different 10, hopefully this week, we'll be talking about the reasons why we have all of these laws. So to begin, certain animals and foods are okay and certain are not. This week's parsha deals with that at length. Uh, some animals require certain signs, for example, a behema, uh, animal on four legs, requires that it chews its cud, that it has split hooves. Those are two the the simanim, the signs that indicate that it's a kosher animal. When it comes to fish, it requires fins and scales. When it comes to there are certain types of insects that are listed that are kosher. When it comes to birds, there is no sign that is mentioned. Rather, in Parshas Re'eh later in the Torah, there's a list of 24 non-kosher birds. The problem is we do not have the Museum of Natural History as they had it back then, so it's very difficult to define exactly what that is, and so we define it generally. Uh, we also uh, sometimes uh, only rely on birds that we have a tradition for. I shouldn't say sometimes. That's generally the rule. We have uh, birds that we have a tradition are considered to be kosher, even though it's clear that the vast majority of birds are kosher. Uh, we only are stringent to allow birds that we have a tradition. That's why there's a, a bit of a, a hack, a bit of a controversy about turkey, because turkey was a, a bird that was found later in history. Okay, so certain animals are okay, certain animals are not okay. Animals need to be prepared a certain way, and that uh, I always refer to as kiss. Kill, inspect, separate, and salt. Uh, we'll get to, back to that in a moment. Certain foods, even if they are kosher, even if they are properly prepared, if they're processed and done in a certain way, can't be mixed. For example, you could have two bits of kosher food, milk and meat, for example, which are both absolutely kosher, but they can't be mixed together. The Torah repeats three different times. You can't cook a kid in its mother's milk. We learn from there you can't eat it, you can't cook it, you can't derive benefit from it. And we have all sorts of fences that are built on top of that to ensure that we do not mix them. We wait between the two, we keep separate dishes, and a lot of the kosher kitchen is really focused on this element of not mixing foods that are already kosher. Not only that, but kashrut, of course, deals with vegetables as well. Vegetables and grains, when you're in Israel, for sure, there are certain requirements of separating from your crop before you yourself use the crop. There's something known as truma that goes to the kohen, there's something known as maiser that goes to the levi. Whether or not we give those gifts to those people, those intended recipients nowadays or not, is a different question, but we definitely do something to separate nowadays if it's Israeli grain. Not only are there issues when it comes to uh, Israeli grain, there are issues that are relevant to non-Israeli grain, like Arla. Arla is a law that applies even in Chutz Aretz, the first three years of a fruit coming from a tree. First year of, of a tree, I should say. A fruit generally doesn't last three years. But a tree and its first three years, the fruit is going to be forbidden. That is Arla. There's uh, something uh, Shavias. You can have fruits that are, that's really only Israel, I should say, uh, Shavias is from Shemitah. Fruits from there have general uh, important rules 
that applies specifically. There's also the issue that I referred to yesterday of Chadash, that even, there's a big debate about this, whether or not this applies outside of Israel, but new grains uh, that come from the ground that have not yet passed the second day of Pesach, when traditionally the carbon omer was brought, would also be a problem. And again, that's only vegetables. That doesn't even relate to meat. It relates to vegetables. And then there's another problem with vegetables. People think that this is a modern problem, but it's not a modern problem. It's the issue of tolayim, which is insects. Things are attached to vegetables. Uh, Perhaps this got a little bit better in the late 20th century, so we haven't been thinking about it because of pesticides, but then pesticides got pretty much bad for us, and people realize we don't want so many pesticides, so there are more bugs. More bugs are hanging out in our foods, and this is more of an issue than it was, but it always has been an issue. This is not a new thing. But that's also something, and therefore you need to wash and you need to clean certain vegetables uh, to make sure that there are no bugs. Bugs even could be an issue in water, as was a very very, uh, big controversy in the New York City water system a few years back. And by the way, that's still there. That uh, controversy hasn't gone away. And most kosher agencies have come to a policy on what they do about the so to speak, bugs or the crustaceans that are even in the water. But that's not it. Uh, It's not just certain animals. It's not just animals have to be prepared a certain way. It's not just that kosher foods can't be mixed. It's not just that vegetables and grains need to be separated, particularly in Israel and even not in Israel, and also that vegetables need to be be checked and debugged to make sure that there are no uh, infestations in the vegetable. But also your dishes matter, right? Your dishes need to be kept kosher to keep a kosher kitchen, a proper kosher kitchen, you have to make sure that they are consistent and intact. They can't come into contact with certain foods, certain foods that are treif, that are not kosher. The dishes themselves need to be prepared to be brought into a kosher home. They need to be toveled. So, A, they need to be kept kosher and to make sure they keep separate if they are uh, identifiably meat dishes versus if they are identifiably dairy dishes. They have to be kept that way and near the twain shall meet. And they also, again, have to be prepared to be brought into a kosher kitchen to be toveled, sort of, to be, sort of, I don't know, uh, to be made Jewish. Uh, We'll talk about that at a different time. And then finally, there's one more element of kosher, if there were not enough, and that element is there are issues relating to who cooks or who makes certain foods. It could be absolutely kosher food, it could be an absolutely kosher process, but there are certain foods that if made by a Gentile, are not going to be considered kosher. This could apply to wine, this could apply to milk, this could apply to cheese, baked items, and in general, just a non-Jew cooking for a Jew can create a host of issues. Okay, so those are the general spectrum of what is involved in a kosher establishment, what's involved in a kosher uh, home, and that is why uh, there are more hurdles than you think when it comes to just saying, hey, what could be the problem with? Well, it's not that anybody's trying to make problems, it's just simply the laws of kashras are more vast and more extended than some might think. And so, let's begin with basic idea of what is involved in preparing an animal. Okay, so I mentioned before, there is kiss. So we're going to go through this quickly. Perhaps we'll focus a little bit more on this at a different time. The first thing that has to happen is the animal's killed. We know there's a prohibition, an actual Noahide prohibition, against eating aver minhachai, living animals. Animals must be killed, but they can't just be killed. They have to be killed specifically through the method of shechita. Shechita is a very specific method using a very sharp knife in one motion uh, in a particular part of the body. And if you do not, you do shechita, okay, you can't kill the animal through any other means other than shechita, it's considered nevela. 
Nevela is a dead animal which was killed or died not through shechita. Okay, there are a couple exceptions for things that can be eaten from a live animal, eggs and honey and milk, uh, the reasons for those exceptions, but generally an animal must be killed and specifically killed so as not to be in the vela through the method of shechita. Then that's the K of kiss. Then there's the I, investigate. We investigate to look to see if an animal is treif. The word treif literally means torn. There was a concern if animals were unhealthy or diseased or torn through uh, some sort of internal bodily injury, there was a problem with the animal, and that would render the animal not kosher. So we inspect the insides of the animal to make sure that they're all A-OK, even after there was a kosher shechita, even after there was an appropriate shechita. That is where the glot kosher issue comes up, specifically in the lungs. The lungs are known to have the most issues, and so there are different levels of what's considered a kosher lung. There's the Beit Yosef standard, where the Beit Yosef, known as Beit Yosef shechita, but it really doesn't relate to the shechita as much as it relates to the nature of the lungs, they have to be perfect. Then there's glot kosher, which is slightly imperfect. And then there's basic kosher, which is generally out of favor these days, where there are more issues with the lungs, they're, they're tested in particular ways. But generally, we rely on glot kosher nowadays, which is the smoothest. Glot literally means smooth in Yiddish. And then there's um, the higher level of Beit Yosef, which you'll very often see due to the many Svardim who are makbid and who are careful about Yosef Shechita. That's the I, and that refers to investigate. Okay, then there's the first S of kiss, separate. That's called Nikur. There are certain parts of a kosher animal that must be removed. There's the Gihanasheh, the sciatic nerve. There's Chelev. There's certain fats towards the rear of the animal, which are d- taken out of an animal to make sure that we do not eat them. They are not kosher. There's Shuman, which is kosher. Chelev, which is not the hind part of the animal, is usually lopped off entirely uh, in America because we could sell it to other butcher houses that are not kosher and uh, it's a very labor-intensive process to separate some of these things to do this nikur or trebering as it was known in Yiddish and finally the last S is salting there's a prohibition against eating blood from an animal so invariably there will be some blood but we take out for the most part as much as we can using salt in particularly bloody parts of the animal we use broiling that's specific to the liver and there are rules related that's kiss and that's the general understanding and summary of what kosher requires.